Thanks for downloading this podcast from Brom Radio. For more programs, search our podcast page at bromradio.com. Welcome to the Freak Scene Podcast with me, Dave Travis, promoter, photographer and friend to the stars, some of whom pop into the Brum Radio studios for a chat. This is the first podcast and it's an excerpt from the Nightingale's appearance on Freak Scene from the 2nd of February 2017. If you want to listen to the whole show, which includes the music, then pop along to mixcloud.com forward slash Brum Radio. I'm Dave Travis, you're listening to Brum Radio and my guests this week are Robert Lloyd, Fliss Kitson and Jim Smith from the Nightingale's. Hello, Hello everyone, Dave. Well, thanks for coming in. Uh, you've got um, you, you just got a new EP out last week, I believe. Yeah, yes. it came out on the twenty seventh. It's called Become. What's it called? Become not becoming. Become not I believe. becoming. <laughs> so it's. Uh, I mean, so it's a. This must be what nearly forty years since uh, since the Nightingales formed with many many lineups. Yes, seventy nine or eighty or something like that. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And before that, the Prefects, of course, which. Uh, yeah. Featured uh, my, my friend Paul Appley and Alan Appley. I seem to have spent uh, probably the last 30-odd years, uh, my social life revolves around ex-members of the Nightingales. Uh, yes. Eamon Duffy, Pete Birchmore. They crop what, up everywhere. Paul what Appley. a sad state of affairs that is, Dave. <laughs> well, it's worked for me. <laughs> it's worked for me. I don't seem to be able to shake most of them off. It's, uh, but, I mean, it's one of those things that people around Birmingham say that the Nightingales have uh, a, a sort of, they make comparisons to the fall in the fact that there's a charismatic frontman uh, with many, with dozens and dozens of members over the years. Yeah, but also like the fall, um, we've had a regular lineup for quite some time now. So you know, there was a time because I, I don't think I don't think either Mark Smith or myself are, are, are like sort of evil dictators. People leave; they don't necessarily get cut off. You know what I mean? They have other things they want to do or they just get fed up with it. Um, and then in recent times, this this lineup's been quite steady now for... How long have you been in the band? For six years, eight um, years or something? Six years, I think, yeah. So, you know... Um, so that's quite good going, then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so it's a very sort of creative, flowing lineup, though, isn't it, really? I mean, the people that have come in, and there's also people like um, was it Andy Lloyd. And I mean, can you? how many members has there been over the years? It's... Um, probably about 30, I guess. That's it, yeah. That's yeah. just a, a guess, but... Yeah, but all the bands that sort of they, you know, shot off from, it's, uh, it's fascinating, There's been, there's really. been some very um, good people. Great who, musicians as well. Yeah, throughout, yeah through yeah. the years. But um, I, I, I genuinely think... I know, I know it's standard thing that someone would say, but I genuinely think it's the best lineup that's ever been that we have now. Yeah. And... Um, Sometimes, sometimes it takes forty years to get to where you want to be. <laughs> That's a good way of looking at it. I suppose. I suppose having members coming in and out sort of keeps it fresh and keeps ideas coming. And again, there's a there's an advantage to having a stable lineup as well. Yeah, I, I much prefer a stable lineup. I always wanted to be in a band for a start. I've never seen it as you know, like Mark Smith and the Fall or Vic Goddard and the Subway Sect. I've always wanted to be in a group rather than. A, uh, sort of solo artist, and um, but having said that, as a as a as a, an individual, I, I find it I find it great to have a stable lineup. I just lo- I love all the people that are in the band now, and I trust them, and I know where we're going with stuff. Whereas before, it just always seemed too transient. You know, people passing through. 
and they're like uh, you just want some kind of commitment some you want you want to believe that the other people in the band believe in the band. That's right. You it's a great lineup as well. I've seen you several times over the over the last year. Well, several times over the last thirty odd years, but uh, <laughs> particularly, I think uh, there was a great gig. Well, I saw the Damned uh, supporting the Damned at uh, Wolverhampton, oh, which yeah, was fantastic. That was really good. Yeah, that was a great that was a great gig. Damned also another one of my, my yeah, favourite bands of all time. Such nice people as well. Really, that, really nice. That, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, they are. So I must have seen them probably thirty or forty times I was over the years. Surprised by that. The, um, it was Fliss's um, Fliss got us that gig where she gets most of her gigs but um, through some sort of cockeyed connection she got us that one and I was thinking I, actually I didn't know what to think I was just thinking um, that it'd be you know um, sort of old Moeekins with dogs on a string kind of uh, thing that's what I was fearing and uh and the damned, I don't know, I just, I don't know why I thought they'd be a bunch of dicks, but yeah. I did. And yeah. then um, Captain Sensible was one of the nicest people I've met in all the years of doing it. What a, what a gentleman he was. It was a re- really nice night, that was. It was, it was great. It was really good. It was packed out as well, I think it was a sold-out gig. Yeah. And uh, yeah, no, it was just fantastic from beginning to end. And, um, yeah, your set was incredible. Really, really enjoyed it. And the other one I saw was um, at the Flapper and Firkin. Oh, yeah. Supporting the Membranes. Yeah, yeah. That was a great gig as well. Completely the opposite. great line-up. Yeah. yeah. Where I fainted at the end of the set. Yeah, I know. Yeah, (laughs) remarkable. Remarkable. I I like the way you waited till the end of the set. It was quite hot in there. You held out. (laughs) Yeah. I just, yeah, that was a weird one. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a great gig, though. Well, I think we get... um, I, th- I just think we get better and better, to be honest. <laughs> no, I know that sounds big-headed, but it's uh, it's true. Yeah. Oh no, yeah. I, I, I I concur with that fully. Mm-hmm. Should we uh, should we move on to some music for a bit? Yeah. We got, we've asked you uh, that certainly Fliss and, and Rob to to bring some of their favourite tracks in or some tracks that they find interesting. And uh, I think this is one of uh, Rob's choices. This is T Rex Rider White Swan. Hi, this is Sam Redmore, and you're listening to Brum Radio. That's T-Rex, uh, Rider White Swan. We have uh, some members of the Nightingales. We've got uh, Robert Lloyd, Fliss Kitson and Jim Smith in. Uh, Jim's in the background. I don't know if... Uh, you just yeah. say hello, Jim. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're, we're just uh, chatting about music in general, and uh, the Nightingales in particular. And uh, one track that I would like to play is uh, the Prefix going through the motions. So, yeah. Which uh, you, you formed with... Uh, was that with Paul Appley and Alan Appley? Yeah, it was the, the Appley brothers... Um, They'd been casting a net trying to find... Um, Alan played the guitar and Paul played the drums and they were trying to find... Uh, complete the lineup. And they had... A f- they tried out a few people. Frank Skinner, who um, who actually claims that he was in the prefects for a bit in his biography. <laughs> but, um, but they turned him down. And they turned down Nicky Sudden, who went on to form Swell Maps. Um, because they needed the right bloke, you know. Mm. And, uh, I strolled into town and uh, got the gig immediately, obviously, and uh, made the band what it was. No, yeah, <laughs> that's a, yeah. great band. I never, I wasn't in Birmingham at the time, so unfortunately, I, I, I never saw them. But you, you played some incredible gigs, and you supported the Clash and the Slits and yeah, we, um, our third ever gig was supporting the Clash at the Rainbow Theatre in London, which was the first big punk concert. Um, 
It's quite, it's quite a weird um, story how we got how we got to be in that position. But then um, when the Buzzcocks, who were part of the White Riot tour, they sort of split up on the on the tour, and so we were asked to um, to join the tour, and so within a month or so of forming a band, there we were on uh, what is now a kind of legendary. Um, a legendary thing. Yeah, well, it almost was at the time. I mean, that's the stuff that dreams are made of. It just doesn't seem to happen these days. But so it form a band and four weeks later you're no, on one of the biggest tours. Yeah. tell you something, Dave. The best thing about it, though, because we were just a bunch of um, sort of scumbags, really, you know, young kids that just wanted to be like the Sex Pistols. And, and there was this thing called punk rock that we believed in and we thought was a movement. And... Um, we got that lucky break where we went on that Clash tour and they were such a bunch of arseholes and the whole thing was... Um, my illusions were shattered really, really quickly and I think that's one of the best things that ever happened to me because I could have wasted years and years learning that it was all a pile of crap. Yeah. And I and I found out real in four weeks. Real, yeah, yeah, four weeks. Yeah, that's that's a learning <laughs> so, curve, isn't it? So and so, like the record you're about to play, going through the motions, which is like um, a big droney record. It's the, as far away from punk rock mm. as you could get. But this was this. It was those clash gigs that made me want to do this kind of stuff. So what was so, the, so, so was when we went on tour with we supported Sham sixty nine right we did a tour up north with Sham sixty nine and we used to open with going through the motions and play it for about ten minutes just this drone in E or whatever it is and just all these and all these skinheads just sort of throwing things at us and it was just like I thought right now I'm doing something you know yeah. whereas before I I was just copying other people. I just wanted to be, and we all did, the Appley brothers, we all wanted to just be like the Sex Pistols, you know. Yeah. We cut our hair and we were all sneery and snotty. And um, and I had that blown apart by playing with The Clash. So what was it about playing with The Clash that uh, disillusioned you? Um, well, when we played in Chelmsford and they had their photo taken for the local paper with the mayor of Chelmsford, and... Um, we were in the background singing, we're a garage band. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, we, we, got, we got picked up on this, we got picked up on the tour, and because we got no, um, it's quite a long story how, we, how it happened, but we, we were at a gig and the Buzzcocks split up, so they asked us to join the tour, so it meant we got no clothes. So they gave us these Clash T-shirts, you know, with a policeman on the front and the Clash stenciled. And we thought, this is really naff. I'm not wearing a Clash T-shirt. So we wore them inside out. And it went down like a brick in shit. And they just thought we were being really disrespectful. And I just thought, God, this is the same old cabbage. You, mm. Like, for all this, um, we're not rock stars. You're just behaving like rock stars. <laughs> and I don't know. I don't that's part of the reason I think I liked. It was just all—it was just all like 
Well, this is the same circus as it ever been. We could we could be on tour with Ted Nugent or ACDC. It makes no difference mm. that you're, you know. They were a massive band, though, weren't they? They were a sort of major label band as well from the but start. But they were also kind of, in my personal opinion, they were also kind of piss poor because I'd seen them when they were a five-piece band with Keith Levine on when they had three guitars, and they were great. And then they... Sh- they signed to CBS and they made that. When I heard White Riot, the first single, it, it just sounded so feeble compared to what what I wanted to hear. You know, mm. I'm unlike you. I'm not a fan of the Damned, mm-hmm. but when you heard New Rose, yeah. it was like wow. Uh, one of when the you heard when you heard White Riot, it was like. Ugh. Yeah, well, yeah. I, think, I think New Rose is one of the greatest pop singles it's, of all time, fun, not just great punk singles. The sound of it is fantastic. Yeah. They, and they were live as well. I don't want to harp on about the Damned, but mm. they, their, their, their shows were quite often a, a, a writer's shambles, you know, which I really liked at the time. You, get, you, you know, the audience were just on stage and, you know, everything got smashed up and they were, they were under-rehearsed massively, which I thought was the charm of it, really. It's, yeah. um, you yeah, know, a the clash in uniforms, you know, yeah. like... Uh, yeah, just uniforms like. Um, uh, anyway, I don't. I don't like them. No, as you've gathered, no. I, don't, <laughs> no, no, I, don't, no. I don't. I don't like them. And um, yeah. and there you go. So how many dates did you do though on that tour, the White Rock tour? Five. Yeah. And who else was on it? There was quite quite the, a the Slits, the Subway Sect. Yeah. So slits like, are a great band as well. Oh, yeah, so they good. were my favourite band from yeah. the period. No, they were again. They were very different. They weren't, even though they were sort of part of that sort of punk movement. Their their sound wasn't really punk, was it? It was very. There's a bit. Has there been a band before or since them that are, that are like the Slits? I can't think of many. Not really. These, I loved with the Slits. I loved Palm Olive, the drummer. Great drummer. Yeah. And when um, when she left and they got Budgie in and they kind of did sort of reggae kind of stuff. I'm not a fan of that really. Mm. But Palm Olive then joined the Raincoats, who were great. Mm-hmm. And she was pretty much my favourite musician of all time. Yeah. Until, until I saw Fliss, who I think is better. <laughs> that's, that's right, yeah. Wow, so, that's yeah. so when did it, so you joined the band, what, six or seven years ago? Uh, yes, yeah. Um, I used to be in a band called Violet Violet. I've, I've got a track of oh, really? yours later, wow. yeah. Yeah, great okay. band, really yeah. good band. Yeah, and we supported the Nightingales on a few tours in England, Europe and America. And then um, we kind of broke up and then Robert got a phone call from Robert saying, we need a drummer, do you want to do it? And I was like, definitely. Just Violet Violet, you were a two-piece, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, by the end. So it's easier to break up, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, and we're still like the best friends. It it wasn't really, yeah, it (laughs) just wasn't really working anymore. um, So where where were you? You weren't based in Birmingham, was it it Norwich? Based in Norwich, yeah. Yeah. And then I moved here a few years ago, actually. um, Good move. Yeah, well, we've written some great albums since I moved here, so that was... That's the main thing. We'll, we'll hear a bit of Violet Violet later, but uh, for <laughs> now, this is uh, the prefects and going through the motions. You are listening to Brum Radio. That's uh, Going Through the Motions by, uh, by the Prefects, one of my favourite tracks of all time. And we've got uh, Robert Lloyd, Fliss Kitson, and uh, we did have Jim Smith, but he's popped out to do a bit of shopping. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's... Uh, uh, we were just talking about the lineup there on that track because that you didn't release that while you were together. Is that right? No, we, we never we never released any anything. Um, 
And the only two times I'd ever been in a recording studio was to record the two Peel sessions. Um, we'd never done any demos or anything. The first time I ever went in the studio was the first um, prefix session at the BBC. Which is ridiculous. So you formed four weeks and then you got the, the, one the of the dream, most legendary tours. That, yeah, that's it. It's beyond a dream, isn't it? I mean, never if you s- would happen. And yeah. yeah, yeah. John Peel saw us at that third gig at the Rainbow Theatre and invited us in for a session. So, I mean, I guess for someone that... Because I'm a bit of an old whinger, really. <laughs> And I suppose I've had it quite lucky in the scheme of things. Yeah, but even if you were dreaming and you thought, this is what I'd like to happen, you thought, no, we can't do that. I can't get this tour after four weeks and then John Peel sees on his third ever gig. And then you yeah, get no. first time in a, ses- in a, in a recording studio is in, uh, in Maida Vale. That's, uh, that is ridiculous, isn't it? But, yeah. but, but you know, it just shows how good the band were. We did, the, we did the two sessions anyway, and we never made a record. And I think that kind of... I don't know whether it worked for us or against us, because every band, every two-bob punk band in the world was putting out a single, and we, we had this attitude of going, oh, um, we, we're not going to release a record. Yeah. <laughs> But it's quite easy in those days, wasn't it? It's just going, all the other groups are making records, so we're not. Not, Yeah, that's right. That was our our thing. That that was your your USP, as they say. And then then I got, the band had split up and um, I'd started the Nightingales and I got a telegram. It shows how long ago it was. I got Mm. a telegram from Jeff Travis at Rough Trade going... Um, we've just heard your John Peel session and we want to release a record by you immediately. Call, reverse the charges and call us. And um, because the prefix had split up and I was now involved in the Nightingales, I called them up and I said, well, and they were going, we want to put out a, a, a prefix record. And I was going, well, there's nothing. We haven't, all we've ever done is the two Peel sessions. And they said, well, we can um, come to an agreement with the BBC and put out a going through the motions mm. is what it turns out to be and I said well I'm not really keen you know I've done that already now and I've got a new band and so I said you can I came uh, I hit an agreement with them where I said you can release a prefix record if you release a Nightingale's like you can do a, a retrospective <coughs> prefix one but you've got to do the first Nightingale's one yeah. which is what what we did worked out well. What yeah. was the first Night and Girls one? It was called Idiot Strength. Oh yeah, 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 a classic, yeah. a classic. And, um, and I hoped, I thought, from talking with Rough Trade, that we we'd got a relationship going, and there'd been more than one single. But they uh, they, 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 they dropped us after <laughs> they dropped us after the first. Fulfill their contractual <laughs> obligations which, which to was, you, which set a bit of a trend yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for the rest of the Nightingale's career. Oh. The band that's been on more labels than anyone. Yeah, that's it. Well, how many, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Do, do you know how many labels you've been on? <laughs> no, no, I've lost no. Count. I've lost count. No. Of course, you had your own uh, label, didn't you, in the in the eighties, yeah. Vindaloo Records? Yeah, Vindaloo. But again, that was only really started because um, no one else was putting anything was out. Was doing it. Yeah, mm. it was just originally started as an outlet to put out Nightingale's records. Yeah, and then. Being a bit of a fool, I started putting out other people's records as well. Yeah, some classic stuff there, though, wasn't there? Well, there was some great records, some stuff that I'm really proud of, but I would never do it again because um, 
People are ungrateful, aren't they? <laughs> so you've seen it from the other side, from being a, being a sort of a label boss. Who, uh, yeah. So it's, was that an interesting sort of uh, experiment then? In? I had I had a heap of fun doing some of the stuff. Fuzzbox in particular was like real great fun. Mm-hmm. One of the best bits of my life, really. Because that went through the roof almost immediately, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, straight away. Straight I mean, and, and from a sort of punk ethos, they were probably truer than a lot of punk bands really because they they couldn't play could they no, and they, no, they, they were, just got um, up and had a go yeah they were kind of dire <laughs> but they but their um you know their attitude and um just, yeah everything about them was great actually yeah personalities I, shone I, through I just, it, really. um, i loved i loved working with them i really really had great fun but as soon as they um as soon as they got a sniff of fame, they as everyone seems to turn into um, a, a different beast. Mm. Once, 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 once there's something there for them to latch onto, it's like a kind of well, you know, you, they just well, I don't know. just yeah. the lure of say, fame and money. Yeah, I don't want to say anymore because it just makes me sound like bitter and twisted, and I don't feel bitter and twisted about it. I just. Like with the clash thing, you just learn lessons, don't you? Yeah. All the yeah. time. Yeah. You just learn stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I learned stuff from that. The, the, no, the, not just Fuzzbox, by the way. Just no. the whole the whole kit caboodle. It was um Because you had Ted Chippinson as well. He didn't he didn't Ted's, uh, go Ted's, on to major label success. Ted did release a record on a major label. Oh he did, that's right. But yeah. he's um I'm not gonna say anything against Ted. He's a he's he's my best mate and yeah. he was then and he is now and um I'm not yeah, I'm an incredible performer. We were a, talking he's a flawless personality. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's we're, the way of putting it, yeah. We were talking about um, Ted Stock, weren't we, earlier, we, just before yeah. we came on air, and saying that's, uh, that's cause I went down to London to sit out at the Bloomsbury Theatre, and that's 10 years ago, almost exactly 10 years ago, that's, which is incredible, isn't it? That seems, in, yeah, it really does seem incredible that it's that long ago. And what a lineup. That, that was, um, well, you know more about it than I do. That was. Well, I got a phone call one day. I'd started, again, I'd started another label called Big Print which, again, was just to put out Nightingale's records. And Stuart Lee, I don't know how he got my phone number, because he wasn't someone I knew, but he just rang me up at home one day and said, is there any chance that you're going to be releasing Ted Chimington's album on Big, on Big Print? And I said, no. <laughs> I have no intention of doing that at all. And he said, well, I think you should. And I said, well, can't really afford to do it, blah, blah, blah. And um, and I don't think Ted would is interested anymore. And he said, "Oh, you really, really should do it." So I called up Ted and I said, "I've had this bloke Stuart Lee on the phone," and he well, and Ted was going, "Ah, oh, no, I don't really want to do any. You know, I've retired from the business." Yeah. <laughs> 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 and me, me and Ted, we just had a bit of a chat, and we decided. Oh, well, the only way that we want to do it is if it's, uh, we want to do a four CD box set package, like a, like a Pavarotti kind of record. Which is a ludicrous idea, (laughs) which you did. (laughs) So I rang up Stuart and, um, and I said, no, we don't want to do the man in the suitcase record, but we want, but we'd be interested in doing a four CD box set, blah, blah, blah. And Stuart, much to my Surprise! You've got that's a brilliant idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
let me organise something that can pay for it. And so Stuart, God bless him, organised the TED Stock thing, which, as you know, but for the (laughs) listeners, there was Josie Long, Bridget Christie, Phil Jupiter, Simon Amstel. Simon Amstel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Richard Herring. That's it. Simon Mm. Munnery. Blah, blah, blah. And they all got together and they did a night at the Bloomsbury Theatre, which sold out. And they gave us all of the proceeds from the thing to produce a full CD. Well, the Nighter Girls, you played in between the acts, didn't you? We did, You sort of compared it, really. Well, sort of. I think we we were the onion in the ointment, though, weren't we, really? No, it worked brilliantly. I'll tell you what was... uh, There was two interesting things there. One, Simon Amstel, I I didn't particularly like him that night, of all the comedians that were there, but I sort of... um, After that, I did did, uh, get into him more. I've been to, like, several of his gigs since. He was very, very shy backstage. Because I was a bit drunken backstage and a bit sort of loutish, I think, in the... uh, in the green room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Simon Amstel was, was mega shy, but I I thought he was a really nice... Yeah, no, actually. I've, I've really I, come uh, around to liking him now. I took a bit like of a shine work. to him. Yeah. And, of course, uh, Stuart Lee and Richard Herring, they did, uh, they sort of reprieved their... Uh, Lee and Herring routine. They, they did, yeah. Oh. But I don't. I'm not Richard Herring. I'm not. Um, They're very different comedians, aren't they? I've, I've seen Richard Herring several times, but I see Stuart Lee pretty much every time he plays. So. Yeah. Stuart Lee's uh, still a huge supporter of the Nightingales. He's yeah, really. Like we did. Was it last year? Last year, year we, we played his ATP festival. That's right. Tomorrow's parties. Yeah. Probably my favourite gig ever. Actually. He's a local lad, isn't he? He's from Birmingham. Yeah, um, Solihull. Solihull. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. It, yeah. So. Um, brilliant. No, no, he's, well, he's done. He's he's helped the band out since since the um, death of John Peel. I would say Stuart Lee's been the most helpful person. Yeah, certainly in in the modern, you know, the the Fliss era of the band. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for, for which it will now be known, <laughs> Fliss era. No, well, but it's but it is. Um, yeah, well, it is, and it is an era. It is a. It's when the uh, something about the band changed. What we are now changed when Fliss joined the band, and and Stu's just been great. Mm. No, it's there is yeah, there is a, a different, slightly different dynamic. I think since uh, having seen the band uh, in several guises over the years, yeah. uh, we're just going to play uh, Violet Violet Track, which is a band that uh, you were in before now. Yeah. So how long? How long were just briefly talk about we, Violet Violet? How we long? were together for ten years, I think, which is quite a long time. We um, started when I think I was about seventeen. And um, we just started we were at sixth form to beat the boys in our school at a Battle of the Bands competition. So we just wanted to do that. We didn't know how to play our instruments, really. And Did then, you win it? Uh, we beat them. <laughs> yeah. But I, I'm not saying I, no. Can I interject? No, because it's funny. Yeah. It they, um, they, finished, they finished second in yeah. the Norwich Battle of the Bands competition to a band called Brutal Abortion. <laughs> Oh, God. Yep. Shout out to them. Uh, Where are they I'm, now? Well, <laughs> oh, no. uh, they're the next track. I don't, <laughs> know <what's>, uh, <laughs> I don't know how this works out, but uh, that's a But yeah, great band, Violet Violet. So, uh, yeah, this is, we had a great time, so yeah. We're, let's, uh, let's play Pulling Teeth. Ah. So what you doing Hello, 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 hello. You're tuned into Bram Radio. Tuned in, what's wrong with that? Okay, fine, fine, fine. 
That's uh, Fuzzbox and uh, Rules and Regulations. That's uh, on Vindaloo Records. We're here, I'm Dave Travis, and on Brum Radio, and we're here with uh, Robert Lloyd, Fliss Kitson and Jim Smith from the Nightingales. Hello. Hello, everybody. You can't say hello too many times, can you? So, yeah, that was, uh, that's some time ago now, isn't it, the Fuzzbox thing? It on, is, on but Vindaloo. I'll tell you an interesting thing, because it's, it totally ties in with uh, our new record. Um, when I was doing Vindaloo Records, I was living on Mary Street in Borsal Heath. And I used to go to the local off-license, and there was this um, young student bloke used to come in the off-license, and he was always looking at me. He obviously sort of um, kind of knew who I was, but I didn't know him. And eventually he kind of plucked up courage, and he said to me, oh, I know who you are, and I know what you're doing. You run this label and blah, blah, blah. And if there's any way I can ever help with it, just let me know. And Fuzzbox, as you know, they took off instantly as soon as we put the record out. And we needed a video. And so I said to this young student bloke, can you make a video? And there's 50 quid in it for you. <laughs> and he got a Super 8 camera. And he came round our house and he made a, a film for that very song that you just played. And it was on the chart show every Saturday. It was wow. just like... It was just like the biggest hit video of the year, really, on the chart show every Saturday. And, um, and anyway, this fella went on from there when he made the next Fuzzbox video when they signed to Warner Brothers, and he went on to be a video director, you know, did Pop Will Eat Itself and Wild Hearts and Manic, Manic Street Preachers and blah, 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 blah. But anyway, um, he's remained a friend of ours, and he's just made a video f- for one of the songs on our new EP, <laughs> which... Um, he has, actually, yeah. So yeah. Who, what's his name? His name is Nick Small. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and he now lives in Halifax, and between filming episodes of Flog It and yeah. Antics Roadshow <laughs> and stuff, he still will get out of bed and make a video for his old mucker. And um, so your listeners um, will, if they go on to YouTube, what's the station, Fliss, who's, who's, who's got it? Noisy um, Vice are premiering it, actually, this week. Um, so that's really cool. Excellent. Yeah. So, so anyway, so that, there's a link from that record that you just played to our new EP. Yeah, fantastic. Well, I love that, I love that story that he, he's gone from... Yeah, there's a direct line from going into the same off license as you to filming Flog It. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Isn't it? So, I suppose it's, like, it's like my old aunt teacher used to say, be a cork in the stream of life, just go where the current takes you. And totally, that's, uh, totally. yeah. He's, he's ridden that lager current all the way from what, 19, <laughs> 1986, was that? Was Fuzzbox? Yeah. Early 86, was it? Pounds, 50 pounds I gave him for, yeah. to make um, the video for Rules and Regulation. So, what did you do with the rest of the money? <laughs> <laughs> Really, if you, if you see the video, you, that's what you would say, you would ask yourself because yeah. it's, it's the cheapest looking thing ever. But it went down an absolute storm because it's because it was different to all the sort of plush, yeah. hardly hardly yeah. produced uh, videos that were around at the time. Do you remember the chart show? Yeah, I do remember the chart show. Yeah, I used to watch it. Yeah, it was yeah, every Saturday, and uh, there it was. But because it stood, it stood out. It's good because when when we were oh, doing yeah. promoting, we used it was being bloody. Um, Thriller or something, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, uh, or Madonna, all these like super slick things, and then there's a super eight thing of four punk girls eating curry and chips in my front room, yeah. kind of thing. I'm a, 
I remember there's an old uh, comic strip, strip presents where UB40 were on, and Keith Allen was a video director. I remember the, uh, he was, and uh, I think it was a, one of the bands was saying, uh, "Oh, what are you doing?" He goes, "Oh, we're shooting this on high-end video, and then we're going to run some effects through it to make it look like it was shot on Super 8." And Bam oh, goes, "Why do you just shoot it on Super 8?" <laughs> that's <laughs> so so that's, weird. But that's it. That's what people still do now, though, isn't it? You could oh, just, yeah, yeah you definitely. could just shoot it on Super 8. But I think I think that sort of homemade feels, and it matched the music, though, didn't it? Really, I think. It's, it's it was, I guess it wasn't a plan, was it? You had £50 for a video. I so, never, yeah. never contemplated making a video. No. Or well, never uh, thought there would be that. No. Cute, Just I guess. Like, uh, and the, and uh, Nick, who's standing in the off-licence, never thought he was going to be uh, a world-famous uh, yeah. videographer. So, yeah. So, uh, we're going to play uh, a Nightingale's track now. And we're going Good. to play... Uh, Taffy Come no, Home. They're my favourite band. Oh, no, yeah, that's it. Mine too. <laughs>
That's Salita Kenny. That's uh, that's one of your favourites, isn't it, Fliss? It is, yes. Actually, the um, the drummer, Janet Vice is the reason I became a drummer, really. It's the first kind of band I ever got into where I was got into the Riot Girl music scene about 15 years old. And uh, Salita Kinney were my first kind of band and watching her playing the drums I was just like I really want to be her we were we were saying while you were just out the room that uh, the drumming style just sound familiar yeah no <laughs> she's just like straight, very drummer, yeah. Tom driven um yeah fantastic fantastic band yeah and it's, it's Carrie Brownstein yeah yeah, yeah. she does that uh, Portlandia sketch she does, she's seen like it? definitely taken a different road and she's really successful with that but Sleetie Kinney reunited um last year I think um did another album and I saw them on their tour and still rocking. They're yeah, great. okay. Yeah. Well, did they? I, I missed that. Did they play in this country? Uh, I saw them in New York actually. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it yeah, sounds really so. lavish. I saw them in New York. Yeah. <laughs> did you, fly you know, as you do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's a present, but whatever. Yeah. yeah. So, whereabouts that was? It, what venue was that? How big are they in in America? Um, huge. It was yeah. um, Terminal Five, I think it's called, and the venue, and it's I don't know, a couple of thousand. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be yeah. interesting to see, um, you know, how they do because they did play. They played over here a, a couple of times in the in the nineties. Yeah, I, I saw remember. them. I oh, not in the nineties, but I saw them maybe just before they split up. Um, and uh, it was they weren't very big, like maybe four hundred capacity venues. Yeah, but now they're they huge Edwards, because I think. I think the Riot Girls scene has kind of like kind of had another lift, um, like this in the two thousands anyway, like recently. And um, also Carrie doing Portlandia kind of pushed them to the front again. That's a great show. Uh, yeah. We've mentioned that before Amazing. on this show. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Is, uh, it is very, it is very funny. Yeah. It's a very uh, particular type of humour, isn't it? It is, is yeah. It, is it, should, is it uh, Fred Armisen, is it? Yeah. Uh, chapter, yeah. Is it? Yeah. 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 Fantastic. Yeah, no, great, great. Always great to hear them. And uh, we're going to play uh, another of, uh, of Rob's tracks now, uh, one of his favourites, and this is Nico. That's uh, Mutterline from Nico. That's one of uh, Robert Lloyd's uh, favourite tracks. My, did, did you ever my, meet Nico? She's my very favourite artist of all time. Um, the first time I ever went to London was I hitchhiked down to see Nico perform. And um, at some point in the... Well, a long time ago, anyway, but the Nightingale supported Nico... And I was too shy to actually speak to her, but um, it's one of the, a thing that I'm very pleased that we did. So when, um, where was that gig? The, when it was Nico? at one of the college. You know when colleges used to have gigs on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> like the Imperial College or somewhere like that, or the LSE. Because you, co- you colleges and universities used to be regular on the circuit, didn't they? Well, there was rock goes before, to college before, wasn't the, gov- on TV. before the government actually. Took away all their kind of money, but all these all these colleges, the the Depolis in those days, and uh, colleges and universities, they've all got fantastic venues in them, yeah. and uh, it's just it, it seems a terrible waste, doesn't it? Really, sure. <coughs> and also also um, I, I like the system where you get um, 
a social secretary and ENTS officer who come in in September and get voted in and then just get mercilessly uh, ravaged financially by the agents in London, and uh, which sort of subsidised some of the club tours. Though. So a band would do maybe a 15-day tour, they'd probably do six, seven college dates and, and eight club dates, and the sort of finances would average out over the, over the tour. Well, but it's a, it's a good learning curve for these people as well. The, the, the social sec that put us on at whatever college this was, it's a, a Welsh bloke called Richard Thomas. I remember him well because... Um, he had the foresight to have the Nightingale support Nico, which, um, before I go any further, I've got to tell you a little story of Nico. It was when she was sound-checking the harmonium, and uh, there was a bloke at the desk, and I was just stood there, kind of awestruck, really. You know, I'm in the same room as Nico. She's doing this harmonium, and she said, I want it to sound like it's coming out of the ground. <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine the sound engineer looking at his desk. Where's that, where's that button? Uh. But, but I remember this guy, Richard Thomas, who put us on with Nico because when he left um, the, the university, you know, when he was um, when he left school and, be, and got a proper job, it was promoting gigs. And he put us on at Brixton Academy supporting Bo Diddley. So the best two yeah. gigs... The Nightingales, or the best two support gigs we've ever done was supporting Nico and and supporting Bo Diddley, and Richard Thomas was responsible for both of those. Yeah. Is he still doing things? And then he, uh, he is, yeah. He, he went on, he, he was the manager of The Fall for a little while, and um, I spoke to him a year or so back, and he's, he's um, because he's very Welsh, mm. and he's um, become a kind of, um, how do you put it into words? Like uh, he does um, the Dylan Thomas Festival. He's um, he does all these big Welsh poetry. It's particularly Dylan um, Dylan Thomas type stuff. So he's still out there and he's still doing things. Well, that, that's that's quite true. Quite a few sort of social sex and ends officers, really. I think that they, you know, it's people that are sort of attracted to that side of the business and they learn really quickly and a lot of them have gone on, you know, there's a long list of people that started off agents and promoters and, and you know, record uh, producers and the people that started off doing that job. It's a pity that, that students don't get the chance to do that these days. Yeah, well, and you don't even get the gigs. No, no, that's it. Like you used to, if you'd see uh, tour dates of some band and it would be like, you know, kind of Keel University... Um, Lancaster University, Aberystwyth University. You know what I mean? That would be the bulk of the the tour dates. Yeah, and they've all got Not these. They've got these venues sitting there now, gathering dust or being used for the odd conference or something like that. I mean, I, I used to promote at the Deb Hall in Birmingham University. Fantastic venue. You know, we do well, a lot of great bands. Stuart there. Lee told me that um, one of his earliest memories was um, of the Nightingales, and this was when Fuzzbox was supporting us. Mm. But we did. Um, we played at Birmingham University and um, with Ted and Fuzzbox supporting us. And Stu um, was too young to get he and they wouldn't let him in. No. And he said he stood outside <laughs> listening <Aww>. to it. <laughs> That's a charming story. Charming story. Uh, so we're going to talk about your new EP. Yeah, we should do that really, shouldn't we? Which was uh, released uh, last, last week, January the 27th. Friday, yes. Yeah. Um, become not becoming. Maybe Jim, you might yeah, want to yeah, pitch yeah, in on this. Have a go, have a go, yeah. Jim. It's Jim's first ever Nightingales record. That's right. Yeah. 
Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you have to speak into oh, the yeah. mic then. So how long have, uh, have you been playing with the Naughty Girls, Jim? Um, joined sort of December 2014. Um, and then there was kind of a five months uh, learn the set um, time. Because there's a big back catalogue. I mean, if uh, it's a big back catalogue. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, if Rob suddenly turns around and you know says, "Let's do this one." Do you, so do you have to learn all of the tracks? Um, it's actually quite a structured thing. It's uh, it, we play for an hour and there's no gaps between the songs. No. Yeah. So it's it's like one big piece really. So it's just relentlessly learning that over and over again. So yeah, that works really well. It is quite unusual as well, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah, I don't think any of the bands do that. It's sort of like the Ramones, but taking out the one, two, three, four. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I always, <laughs> thought, I always thought that was too much. <laughs> too much talk. Love the Ramones, but oh, there's just too much talking. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so you must be looking forward to... to uh, well, it's been released now, hasn't it? So uh, is, have you played yeah, in bands before then, Jim? You... Yeah, yeah, I've played in a lot of Birmingham bands. I was in... Um, uh, Lord Montachon, um, which is kind of a French cheesy listening band in the mid '90s, and we did a uh, Peel session. Yeah. Sort of late '90s, along with a band called Woodbine. Do you remember them? I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and that was live on air with Peel, which was a bit um, traumatic. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and then I was in the Courtesy Group. Um, and yeah, band, another great band. The Id, uh, the B Men, been in loads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Courtesy Group, they they're still going, aren't they? I saw them yeah, uh, not going. long ago. Yeah. 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 yeah fantastic band. Mm. Uh, we're going to play a track off uh, the new EP, which was uh, released last week, and this is Too Posh to Push. That's uh, Too Posh to Push by the Nightingales off their uh, recently released EP, Become Not Becoming. So uh, where was that recorded? It was recorded in uh, Leamington Spa at um, Woodbine Street Studios. John Rivers, who's... I know so many records have been recorded there. Most famously, the specials, um, Ghost Town and their first album. But a whole heap of indie bands, you know, Felt and... um, Swell Maps, yeah, Eyeless in Cars and all that 80s sort of stuff. Yeah, Swell Maps and Eyeless in Cars are two, uh, two great bands there, from mostly from the 80s, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Our bass player um, also um, mixed it in the Faust studio in Germany, which is normally where we've recorded every other record, but not this one. Um, so he kind of does his magic on it, and then John Rivers then mastered it as well. Yeah, so, so, so you go over to Germany normally to... Yeah, yeah, we go to the studio that Andy works at, um, which is owned by um, Joachim Ermler from Faust. Um, oh, right. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Amazing. So, yeah, the last three, <coughs> or three or four albums have been recorded there. Does but it give a different feel to it, do you think, hanging, hanging out in there? I mean, what do you do when you're not recording? Do you... Uh, well, Just it's a ha- tiny, like, it's, it's not a, even a village. It's, sm- it's yeah? tiny. There's a pub, which is... Quite amusing. Um, just hang out at the studio, really. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. But yeah. it's beautiful, and it's huge, and, you know, it's but fine. I mean, it's like no one... You don't see any people or anything. It's... So there's just it's a... Ju- it's weird. It's, it, you, you have to be there to... 
Mm. I can't possibly describe so on the radio the, what it's like. What's the German country pub like? Um, it's, <laughs> run by, it's run by Romanians. Yeah. Um, and they love us because... You drink. We go in there. Who doesn't like customers? At last, a customer. We've been, wait, we've been waiting for two years and you're back. Yeah. <laughs> it's really like that. Yeah, these cheese baps are going well stale. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. We'll play some more off the EP uh, before the end of the show. Uh, we're going to uh, another of uh, Fliss's choices now. And uh, this is a band, uh, I don't know how many people have heard of them, a band called Toxic Shock. Yes. Um, well, I hadn't heard of them um, until I met Rob, but only actually recently because I've been trying to collect all the Vindaloo records. Um, <clears throat> and then I, I didn't know who Toxic Shop were. I just knew it was a Vindaloo record, so I wanted to get it. And uh, it took me a while to get a good a one in good nick, and then I got it and I played it. And Rob hadn't really... He, you kind of described it, but it's hard to describe, isn't it? It's such a weird sound. Yeah, it is. Yeah, um, Again, there are, there are sort of uh, two-piece two around in the sax, 80s. Sax, isn't it? And bass. Yeah. Sax and bass I mean, and two niche. voices. Um, and I put it on and it's fantastic. I absolutely love it. Yeah, no, they're a good band. Alan and Heth, or Heather, we used to call her Heth. They used to, we had a, uh, when I managed a band called Man Upstairs, we all lived together um, in a house in Cadbury Road in well, was Mosley Spark Hill and uh, it used to be like a dropping centre for local bands it'd always be you go into the kitchen there'd always be somebody there I don't know uh, hmm. just drinking our tea and coffee I think so but Alan Heff uh, used to come yeah. around, around all the time super sort of serious um, uh, lesbian feminist vegan you know like the most right-on kind of characters you could... Uh, Our house was very different, know. so I don't know why they liked it so much. <laughs> it, was a, it was a bit of a, you know, mo mostly uh, were, mostly lads they together. They were really serious about the veganism, and I've never met two more ill girls. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like they were always... One of them would always have a cold or something. You know, they are always... But anyway, yeah. they were fantastic. They were, they were they great bands. One of the bands... One of very few bands in all of my lifetime that I've seen where literally the hairs on the back of your neck stand up when when they were live, you just go, oh my god, you know. Very simple yeah. setup though, wasn't it? Again, like a bit like Violet Violet, just a just a two piece really. Yeah, but, and the, but their vocals but are just another. And without guitars. Yeah. Yes, that's it. Yeah, which is <laughs> yeah. which is amazing. So I'm not sure how many people will have heard this, but uh, I've got to reach around there to put this on. And they, you did two singles of, uh, with yeah, Toxic Shock, didn't 12 you? Yeah, did two inch records with them. Am I right? This is the second one, is that this correct? This is the second yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. Let's uh, let's listen to Toxic Shock. Catch up on your favourite shows. Visit our Listen Again facility at brumradio.com. And down the phone we tell each other that we're fine. Down the phone we tell each other that we're fine. And you never get to see my face. That's uh, Toxic Shock, The Enemy's Face. So uh, I haven't heard that for ages, so thanks very much for mm. recommending that. Pleasure, and you did the photos on I, the back. I did the course. photos, yeah. Had that one in there. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Thank you for that. That was too <laughs> modest to say myself. Yeah, yeah. I think. Uh, yeah, I did a few things for Vindaloo. I think it's because I work cheap. Um, <laughs> I actually don't actually remember getting paid for anything. But oh. <laughs> don't worry about it, Rob. It's fine. It's fine. Just, I ain't worried. Don't <laughs> no, worry. no, you weren't. No. That's, that's it. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I did uh, did a few different some fuzz box covers as well, and some other bits and bobs. But uh, All right. oh, no, no, no. <laughs> don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> but that's uh, that's that's a really good uh, good track. Yeah, that's their brilliant. second EP. You did two with them, didn't you, Rob? Yeah, there was. Um... I, I forget what the first one was called. Actually, I remembered all of a sudden. It was Fences? called A Dubious Deal. Oh, A Dubious mm. Deal. That's and cool. that was like a six-track or eight-track, like mini-album type thing. That's mm. brilliant. Um, I think it's actually better than this one, but it's as rare as gold dust now to, to actually find it. So how many did you press of those? A thousand, would it be? Well, back in those days, you could sell a thousand records. Yeah. We actually did a repress. So anyone who's got one in a green cover, that's the first issue. Mine's yeah. green. And then we did... Um, Yellow. We reprinted it in a pink. Oh, right. So I don't know, probably a thousand at a time. Hmm. So if you're going to be a completist, there's three. You need two more toxic shots, don't you? You need yeah, the pink true, first one true. and this one. Exactly. Yeah. So, so how's it finding going? them in good nick is yeah. quite difficult. Yeah. Well, yeah, because they've been around a fair few years, haven't you? Know? So yeah. how many have you got to get out of your uh, Vindaloo set? Um, I've still got to get, there's one really, the Janet and the Johns is really expensive. It's like a seven inch, I don't know. About fifty pounds just for a single. Do you not have a box of these, Rob, under your bed? Like Rob doesn't have yeah. any of them. You don't have any I mean, of them. I don't even have anything writing out records. Is that right? No, not really. Because yeah. yeah. so, so, some people like to keep everything that they've done, don't they? And other people just like it's one of those things like just do it and move on. Yeah, I've just you... had too many times in my life where I've just uh, moved on from one situation to another. So mm. over the years, the things that I've had, you know. I had an original artwork by Captain Beefheart. I had a Ramones beat on the brat baseball bat. Yeah. Um, and Who's someone's guitar strap? Link Ray's guitar strap. Right. Oh, that's pretty cool. You know, so I've had loads and loads of things, but um, well, it's all I'm just, just stuff. I'm just too flaky, I suppose, <laughs> or or too, you know, I've flogged them for. Mm. Pennies when I've been mm. skinned. I don't know. So you'd be a, a terrible uh, uh, museum I'm, creator. I'm not a collector. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a collector no. and I'm no. not a fan and I'm no. not a, you know. Anyway, uh, we're talking about uh, Captain Beefheart. Let's hear a bit of uh, another of your, your choices, Rob. This is uh, Captain Beefheart. That's uh, Captain Beefheart, and uh, we've got uh, several members of the Nightingales in the studio today on Brum Radio. We've got uh, Robert Lloyd, Fliss Kitson and Jim Smith, and uh, we're just playing some of their favourite tracks and some Nightingales tracks. And uh, Captain Beefheart, was he a, a big influence on what you've done, Rob? Um, I wouldn't necessarily... I, I like him very much. Um, I don't know if he's been an influence. I'm, I'm a lyric writer, and his lyrics are kind of poor. Well, <laughs> <laughs> he's got a good group. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah so yeah. I suppose it's, uh, I suppose that's influenced me that I thought, oh yeah, I'm going to get a good group. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and you, well, you've had several, haven't you? Really, under permutations over the years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, that's good. So uh, we're going to go back to uh, the new EP, uh, as we say, it's released uh, January twenty seventh, and uh, it's. Uh, we're going to play The Divorce That Never Was. That's another track off that. This is The Nightingales. What a difference a date makes. A sliver of time like a means to an end. 
Brum Radio, the alternative sound for Birmingham. That's uh, Freak Water and Good For Nothing. And uh, before that, it was the divorce that never was uh, from the new Nightingale's EP, Become Not Becoming. And we have three members of the Nightingale's with us today. We've got Robert Lloyd, Fliss Kitson and Jim Smith still here. And uh, so have you, are you playing live to support this uh, EP? Yes, we are. Um, we're on the road in February and March. Um, we're doing 10 dates in the UK. Some of those are with um, a band called the Blue Orchids. Yeah, um, I know, yeah great band. Grammar. And some of them are with the Membranes. Another great cool. band, yeah. yeah. Um, so you can go on our website and look at those dates. And we're also going to Europe in March for like a few shows, one in um, Amsterdam and then Germany and Austria. Okay. All right, okay. Great. Sounds good, yeah. 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 Uh, visit some more German country pubs. Surprising with your presence. Yeah. <laughs> you play a lot, though, don't you? On the, on the road a lot. Last year was a really busy year. Managed to book a few festivals, which was good. And um, we toured quite a lot. Considering we didn't have a release last year, we seem to have... You normally play a lot more, lot more gigs if you've got a release out. Mm-hmm. But last year we just did loads, which was which was really fun. And we always do the um, kind of John Peel anniversary gigs around October. And so we did those last year and they were great. Got to play with some really good bands um, like Eaton Crop and uh, Mini Pops from Amsterdam came over. And All bands right. of that time, like Band of Holy Joy yeah, yeah. and um, stuff. So that was great. That's yeah. great. Good. So uh, you're you going to do uh, more stuff? Are you going to do any festivals? That's uh, a lot of bands do those, don't you, in the summer? You know what? Like, I booked festivals last year and I just think it's a waste of time. Um, like they, don't, they don't really pay out. And it's all booked by agents, and yeah. it's really hard to get on the bills if you don't have an agent or you you're not on the same label as Coldplay or whatever. Yeah. Um, they're quite grim to be at because it's all muddy and you don't know where you are, and you're sat in a caravan in or a whatever. field in the middle of nowhere in a yeah, porter cabin covered in mud. Yeah, yeah and uh, I really loved. Um, so there was a, some great festivals that we did play, like uh, ATP and Rebellion Festival was always amazing. Um, which is Punk Festival in Blackpool, and we have a great time there. And that's um, they're all indoors, actually. Maybe it's just the indoors <laughs> thing that I like. Yeah, a bit more, <laughs> bit more comfortable. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we haven't got anything lined up this year, but who knows? Okay, well that's uh, that's good. We're good. We're still going on here with some of more of your choices, and uh, we're going to play Eamon Dull now. That's uh, Archangel Thunderbird. Um, so, uh, we, well, we're almost at the end of the show. We're going to finish on uh, an, another new track from uh, your e- EP, Become Not Becoming. But uh, I'd like to say thanks very much for coming in. It's been fascinating uh, talking to you all. So, thanks for having thanks us. Thanks for having us. Sarah. No, and uh, good luck with uh, with the dates and uh, the new EP. Another absolute belt. Fantastic. Every track's a winner, isn't it? Thanks very much for coming Thank in. Thank you. Bye. Brum Radio. Brum Radio. Brum Radio. This is Brum Radio.